John and I discuss the historical sources of negative Asian stereotypes. We share the anti-Asian ignorance that we faced growing up. And we discuss the need for a new strategy for Asian Americans to flourish in America in 2021 and beyond. What cultural and lifestyle changes do Asian Americans need to make to finally be heard and to integrate better in our society? Hint, gotta get out of your comfort zone. Recorded March 26 and April 6, 2021. So John, uh, let's talk about some of the sources of uh, negative Asian stereotypes. Um, you know, because you know, like we've discussed in previous episodes, only five percent of the U.S. is Asian. Um, so there are millions of Americans that, you know, beside the occasional thing they see on TV or the movies, or the occasional visit to the Chinese buffet, or the occasional visit to their doctor, the average American doesn't really interact with Asian people, people of Asian descent on a regular basis. Um, John, do you have some insight as to some of the sources of negative Asian stereotypes and why people are so um, uh, unaware of Asian issues? Well, James, uh, for me, the answer is very simple. Um, if, if you don't write, uh, if you're not written into history books. And so when you open up a, a US history book, let's say while you're in uh, high school, 11th grade, and you open it up, you won't find much history on uh, Asia, uh, Asian American uh, uh, peoples that have impacted this, this country. So, and, and, the, and the things and the history uh, facts are basically two sentences. One, you'll see that uh, there was a Chinese Exclusion Act and it just uh, disrupted uh, how uh, the immigration of, of, of Chinese of people of Chinese descent who came here to work on the railroads. And then two, you'll hear about the Japanese internment camps. And those will be about two or three sentences each in this entire four or 500 page book. So when you're not educated upon the uh, history of these peoples, then other uh, writers take over, such as Hollywood. So they'll write us uh, however they wish they want to write us in movies. Uh, they'll uh, uh, fetishize our women. They'll uh, make us all uh, Kung Fu uh, fighters, or uh, we're just a bunch of uh, uh, basically nerdy people. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and before we talk about Hollywood, I wanted to uh, um, talk about the history a little more because uh, you mentioned the Chinese Exclusion Act. Um, and yes, uh, there were Chinese people that uh, came to California, um, to the United States as workers to work on that railroad. But that, that episode in, our, in US history has been whitewashed, hasn't it? Because the final golden spike in Utah, you see that famous painting um, and it was a white man that drove in the final spike. So uh, that part of history that Chinese have contributed to has been whitewashed. And then, and then not only that, um, you mentioned the Japanese internment, um, but before that was Pearl Harbor. And the United States, unfortunately, has a long history of fighting wars in Asia against Asian people. Um, it has fought the Chinese in Korea. It has fought Koreans in Korea. It has fought the Japanese in World War II. It has fought the Vietnamese in the Vietnam War, and it has also fought 
uh, before all those wars, it's also fought in the Philippines. So there's a long history, it seems, of Americans seeing Asians as a rival, as a threat, um, whereas you know, uh, white Americans, you know, there's a dark history of them probably seeing blacks and Hispanics as, you know, sadly a possibly a uh, a dirty, dumb laborer class. Uh, it's different with Asians because there seems to be a history of uh, of whites seeing Asians as a as a threat, as a as a technological threat, an economic threat, an intellectual threat. You know, we're talking about Asia, which has a long history, uh, nations that have um, outlasted Rome. They have a, a Buddhist and Confucian um, philosophy that has uh, lasted equally as long as Christianity and Islam. Um, and for many centuries up until uh, the 1800s, um, China was the richest nation in the world. Um, so there's the notion that Asia is seen as a technological and economic threat to America. And now we're seeing that again uh, with the rise of China. Um, and I knew this day was going to happen in ever since 2008 when the world witnessed a much more developed China in the Beijing Olympics. Now there is this fear that China is taking over uh, economically, militarily, that it's flexing its muscle um, in Southeast not just in Southeast Asia, but also in Europe and Africa and Australia. Uh, and, um, and there's this notion in America that the US government and US leadership is not doing enough to, to combat uh, what they see as a, as a rising China that might uh, take over uh, economically. So it, it, it seems that um, anti-Asian sentiment in America is oftentimes uh, tied with uh, uh, events going on in the world. And now we have uh, the coronavirus, um, which has uh, caused people to um, be very suspicious of, of what's going on in China. And unfortunately, it spills over to um, other Asian groups um, because uh, unfortunately people uh, still have trouble distinguishing uh, different Asian groups. And then, and then we have Hollywood, uh, which you've mentioned, correct? So, you know, what are some of the 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 stereotypes uh, that that we face in Hollywood that you're fed up with you know there's the there's the martial arts stereotype right there's the there's the nerd stereotype um, uh, there's the uh, the fetish of Asian women um, uh, what any any other uh, negative portrayals that you've seen I I know a few well yeah like uh, like let's say for the nerdy Asian it it spills over to be like the unathletic the uh, 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 basically, uh, not a strong male uh, uh, sample specimen, right? Like a weaker guy um, walking around moping, always unsure of himself, uh, uh, type thing. Always confused, uh, type person drives uh, like crap, right? Uh, there's a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, uh, stereotypes that are built into these movies. And then it almost seems like there was a reversal lately of that, where there's a lot of features of movies of like uh, Asian American gangsters that uh, go around robbing and pillaging and racing cars all over the place, uh, doing a bunch of illegal activity. So it's like, it's almost like we can't win, right? It's like, uh, it's one, one extreme or the other. Um, how about just having a regular 
everyday uh, people. I think there was an attempt at it uh, with uh, some shows uh, that, that featured uh, 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 like a more comedian type uh, types out there. I won't mention any names, but it's, it's, I'm hoping that uh, as we become more professional, become more of a percentage or more of a demographic that matters in, in, in the United States that we'll be able to write uh, inside those history books so that everyone can learn about us, that we're just regular, I mean, people. Uh, it, it'll just, for example, when the Irish first came here, they were looked down upon, they had to fight for everything they had, and now they're in the history books. The Italian-Americans, uh, Ellis Island, all those things. But it, it, now it seems that there's the, uh, the Hispanics and the Asians are, are need to be written to the books uh, next. So yeah, there's a lot of things that are, are, are um, not currently in our favor, but I'm hoping um, with shows, podcasts like ours, that we'll be able to fix that one day. Yeah, uh, what, are, what are some of the, uh, do you have any specifics uh, that come to mind? I know, you know, for, for the longest time, you know, there, was, there were those uh, martial arts movies in previous decades with the, with the horrible dubbing and the horrible sound effects. You know, there was the, the Fu Manchu beard, you know, that perpetuated a lot of stereotypes about Asia. Um, there were, there were um, um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, Asian gangster movies, uh, Asians being portrayed as gangsters. Um, in, in, you know, in the, uh, the kid and the Goonies, the Asian kid, yeah, he was a smart kid, but, you know, that was also a typecast where he was seen as kind of the secondary character that had uh, uh, smarts, but not much charisma. And, and there, just seem, there just seems to be um, many like side Asian characters that, that seem kind of awkward, kind of, you know, they have, they have the smarts, but not much charisma. And, you know, as a result, uh, you know, I know in our uh, 20s, during our school days, there was a lot of talk about how Asians are underrepresented in Hollywood. And as a result, it has created um, this, uh, this um, notion in, in, uh, in, in American thought that maybe uh, this notion in, in the West that uh, maybe Asians aren't sexy because they're not portrayed as sexy in movies. You know, how, how, many, you know, how many times are, are Asians portrayed in movies, but then, you know, you see, you see whites getting the girl, uh, blacks get the girl, Hispanics get the girl, but you don't see too many love scenes uh, with, uh, with Asian actors in them. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, there was this notion that maybe, um, uh, we're, um, that we're not, that we're not portrayed as sexy because, uh, there's something, um, uh, because, because of the way, uh, we're portrayed in movies is not very good. Um, um, well, I'll tell you what, uh, James, there's a, there's one particular story that, uh, uh kind of exemplifies all this, right? Uh, when Bruce Lee, uh, first came to uh, back to the United States. He was born here, grew up in Hong Kong, and then came back. Uh, when he first came out here, he was uh, trying to break into the the, the action movie scenes, uh, uh, and uh, he got a short stint as uh, Kato, right? Uh, uh, and everything was everything was fine. He 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 started to get some attention. Then he wanted to create a movie. Uh, where like East meets West type of thing. And uh, he pitched it to, to Hollywood. 
and they love the idea. But the thing is, is that they didn't want to give him the role. So even though he created that story, so they ended up giving it to David Carradine, who, by the way, is is a white uh, man and who has zero background in martial arts. He couldn't even throw a punch that or a kick that looked decent. Right. Oh, he's been fooling me all this time. (laughs) You learned something (laughs) new today. Right. And, and, and so uh, recently on HBO Max uh, and, and Cinemax, uh, they, they did a, a two seasons of the show called Warrior. And this was uh, uh, executive produced and, uh, by uh, Bruce Lee's daughter. Okay. And they pretty much uh, kind of uh, took back that story, took it away from Kung Fu. Uh, with David Carradine and they call it Warrior and uh, it's actually a pretty good show um, but uh, it seems like it's not going to get any more seasons because it wasn't that it wasn't super supported but I encourage all Asian Americans to watch it because it's pretty cool right but they're basically in that show there it's like the east meets west but in a like old western style uh, uh, featuring uh, businessmen and and uh, uh, different races uh, uh, fighting for certain segments of the market. Um, and it's, it's actually really, r- really good to watch, actually. Really fun to watch, really entertaining. And I, and I want everyone to support it so that there's more seasons of it. But that, 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 that was, it, that's a good thing where it, it, things have changed over time, right? Like Bruce Lee, as we all know, is one of the most famous martial arts uh, uh, movie actors out there. And, and which led to, uh, Jackie Chan and, and, and Jet Li and, 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 and Chow Yun-Fat coming over to the United States and, you know, featured in blockbuster movies. And, and so I'm hoping that the, the last step is for us to be able to be written to the history books so that when you're a teenager in high school, you're being educated so that there's no, none of these assumptions that are going on, which are causing, um, physical harm to the Asian, Asian American community. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's ignorance that's doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to be portrayed in martial arts movies, but I don't think that's all that we want to be known for. And uh, I don't think uh, we want to be known as, you know, um, nerdy sidekicks either. And uh, we mm-hmm. don't want to be known as, um, uh, you know, awkward, uh, unathletic, or uh, just uh, physically awkward uh, looking people either. Um, and I think that's why the movie uh, Crazy Rich Asians was such a milestone for the Asian community because finally, you know, uh, it's not until uh, 2019 uh, was there a movie that actually, you know, portrayed um, uh, Asian people as normal uh, with uh, that are good looking and, and and, and are not fetishes and don't need to resort to crazy martial arts and, and gangster uh, stuff to, to, uh, to look appealing. So that was quite a milestone for us. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of two um, um, negative uh, portrayals in, in the media. They're kind of obscure. One of them was uh, Hong Kong Fui. Remember that dog? It was like a Looney Tunes character. No, a Hanna-Barbera <laughs> cartoon character that <laughs> it was a dog that uh, had a Chinese accent and uh, did, and uh, had a, and basically perpetuated all these weird stereotypes. It was the Asian version of a uh, Speedy Gonzalez, um, which uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was uh, uh, that was 
funny, but it's also forgettable at the same time and just uh, something to not be taken seriously. Um, the other is the, the children's book, um, Ricky Tiki Tembo. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but that was a children's story that was read uh, to us in when I was in first or second grade. And it was a story of this Chinese guy with a really, really long name, like 20 syllables. And because basically the name was so long-winded that uh, that's well, why I mean, that purports actually, to explain why Chinese people have three syllable names. I, I remember it's uh, Ricky Tiki Tumble, No So Rumble, Cherry Berry, Rooski Tick Terry Pemble or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that was that was just downright ridiculous. Um, um, before we get into to the fetish issue, what are some of the um, uh, actually no? Before we even get there, um, speaking of athleticism, you know, there's there seems to be this notion that uh, Asian men are less man masculine because in general we are shorter and leaner. Um, uh, and uh, I know Jeremy Lin has been very vocal um, about uh, stereotypes about Asians in the athletic field um, and the discrimination he has faced uh, while playing basketball. Uh, he has reported that people have called him uh, coronavirus uh, this season uh, in, in the basketball court. Um, and uh, last but not least, the, the small penis stereotype and the, the uh, I don't know, uh, which is also completely ridiculous. Like, I, I don't know who came up with the idea that that even matters. Um, can, you, can you talk about um, athleticism and, and height and yeah. weight and muscle and those issues, body issues? Yeah, well, I mean, I doubt Yao Ming has a small penis, right? But, <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, yeah, these things are uh, perpetuated, right? In order to keep you down basically, to make you ashamed of yourself so that you cannot uh, keep your head up and be proud and confident, right? That's the sole reason. And, and, and any type of ignorance um, is a vice. Um, and, and it's vicious. Vices are vicious. And uh, they're meant to destroy, right? Not build up. So any chance that we can get to uh, defeat ignorance through education or exposure or whatever, we should be able to, to do it. Now, growing up, um, I, I, I was, uh, yeah, probably one of the smarter kids in the school. I used to get better grades. I don't know about smarter. Um, I was in a school of uh, uh, basically a few hundred students per class. And uh, grade class and I uh, there was probably like three to five Asians at, at the time and uh, so I had to basically either one embrace the stereotype uh, and and go with it or two fight against it well I decided to fight against it and what did that what what did that entail well that entailed me having uh, probably two or three fights a week uh, at school um, but fortunately I was able to take care of myself and yes I did know Kung Fu at that age <laughs> and uh, I, I worked out. So I, I didn't grow up with too many of those issues per se, but it's what because are some I, of the What are some of the things that uh, people would tell you? Uh, to what, like you mean to, to tick me off basically? Yeah. 
um, well, well, I mean, there's the uh, uh, the chink uh, the chink uh, word that they use a lot, or they'll uh, they'll put their fingers to their eyes and pull it so that uh, you know slant so that the, they have slanted eyes. Um, yeah, they'll just uh, say, "Oh, you know, do you know kung fu?" And they'll go, "Hua hua," you know, and then mm-hmm. they'll just make jokes about your last name right uh they'll, they'll do whatever it takes and this wasn't just the students i mean this was the teachers and coaches as well right mm. they, they 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 weren't uh it, it, for some reason it's okay to make fun of asian people but as soon as you make fun of any other race uh right it's it's racist but when you make fun of asians it's not racist it's funny right right the double standard Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in, in the black community, the N word is so bad that uh, you can't even use it if you're not black. But why is it that uh, every once in a while, public people still get away with uh, um, Asian slurs? Oh, all the time, actually. Not once in a while. They get away with it all the time. I mean, the, the, I remember, I remember uh, before Shaq played Yao Ming, he mm. was interviewed on TV and he was like, hey, uh, tell Yao Ming this, Ching Chong Mekahoy, and he just made up all these, you know, uh, what he thinks are Chinese sounding words. And it was right, right. I remember so, that. So funny, or, or the time that uh, I believe it was a uh, uh, an airplane that uh, kind of like crash landed or had trouble landing. I mean, they were making these these jokes like uh, uh, saying the captains of the the, the captains of the the of the plane. The name was uh, something Wong. Right, or, that was uh, that was Asiana Airlines uh, Flight Two Fourteen, the one that crash landed in in San Francisco. I think that was about, um, I think that was around five years ago. And yeah, the the in the the, um, the news reporters in the in, in the in the San Francisco Bay Area, out of all places, the the uh, basically the teleprompter people wrote in. Um, no, the the people that wrote the graphics, they they wrote you know fake names for the for the crew, you know, with the pilot's name being Sum Ting Wong and the co-pilot's name being We Too Low and the other pilot's name being Bang Ding Ao, you know, which, right. no, which are like- No one got disciplined, no syllables. one got fired. Yeah, and it was just totally okay. Like it was yeah, just yeah, okay, yeah. on to the next story. Yeah, imagine imagine doing something like that, the equivalent to the black community. Everyone would be up right. in arms, but for some reason, you know, uh, people get away with insulting the Asian community. You know, the Yao Ming incident, uh, Yao Ming was um, fortunately uh, very, um, very gracious in his reaction. Uh, he said, uh, he, his reaction was one of the smartest ever. He said calmly, I understand Chinese is a difficult language to learn. Right, exactly. So it, was and- a, it was a very smart uh, retort and which um, endeared him more uh, to NBA fans, you know, who were not used to uh, seeing a a Chinese stranger, basically, uh, in the NBA at the time, because he really was a Chinese pioneer. Um, I know, um, he, well, you know, he, the way he handled it was good too, though, uh, James. Like uh, the very first game that they faced off each other, I think he stuffed uh, Shaq like five times or something. Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> he just let his actions show. So that was really awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I know when I think about it, um, I I don't like to dwell into, you know, stuff that happened to me back as a kid. You know, I, um, 
you know, me personally, I've gone through the exercise of, you know, analyzing my Asian American identity back in college and talking about how we're oppressed and underrepresented and what we need to do about it. Um, you know, and it's, it's, it's really, for me, it's healing um, not to, having done that exercise, it's healing to move on from it. So I don't like to, you know, think about what happened back then, but I, I can say that, yeah, there was a lot of ignorance um, on the part of other kids uh, when I was in first and second grade, you know, when people say things like your nose is flat, your face is flat, you know, and, and I'd be, I would be really annoyed by that and really upset by that. But eventually one thing I learned to say and retort was I was born like that. <laughs> so, so if I say I was born like that, well, then uh, there's nothing they could say about that anymore because, yeah, I was born like that. Yeah, so what? It's not an issue anymore, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, people did the slanting their eyes. They said my eyes were slanted. Well, I mean, I was born like that. <laughs> and uh, right. and um, why don't I open my eyes bigger? Well, uh, you know, I've learned to kind of turn that into a joke, you know, at the optometrist's office because uh, every, <laughs> every time the optometry office tells me to open my eyes really big, you need to open your eyes really big, you know, so we could measure the eye pressure or something like that. I'm like, I can't, I'm Asian. I have small eyes. This is the biggest I can open. And it's funny because like some of the workers there are Asian, so they're just busting out laughing. Anyways, um, uh, the school system has uh, stereotyped me before. Um, you know, uh, I have, uh, I've even asked an, an, uh, an ex about this. Uh, and, and I told her, why, why did they, why did they ask me to do all this testing and assume I wasn't, I, that I wasn't fluent in English and that I needed ESL classes, even though I was perfectly fluent in English. I don't understand why they put me through this stuff. Uh, and, and they were saying, well, probably because your parents um, reported that uh, you guys uh, speak another language at home. So by virtue of us reporting that we speak another language at home, then they assume the school system assumes that you're not fluent in English. So then they make you go through all this testing to confirm whether you're fluent in English or not. That was a complete waste of my time. <laughs> so you want to talk about systemic racism? Okay, there we go. That's that's uh, literally uh, uh, stereotyping from the system. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know the the latest one, um, uh, and we have reconciled. Uh, we have reconciled. So it's okay. We're friends, um, but. And she has apologized for this, but uh, um, so somebody uh, that I have that I play hockey with has uh, uh, called me Wuhan in passing. Um, the The context was, "Hey Wuhan, get a beer," because she didn't know my name. She honestly didn't know my name because we we're, we're we don't memorize each, all of each, all of our names because there's too many of us, so it's hard to memorize each other's names. So. You know, it's custom to uh, drink beer after the game. You know, uh, and she said she didn't. She honestly didn't know my name, so she said, "Hey, Wuhan, get a beer." Um, this was a couple of months ago, and because we were hanging out in a group setting, I didn't want to kill the flow or the group dynamic and get mad at her then. But you know, I did. I did make it a point to let her know that I. I I basically took the Yao Ming route and said, "No, no, my name is Beijing." Um, you know, to try to kind of, uh, you know, cut through the nervous laughter that was going on. But the following week, I did let her know that I didn't like that. Um, 
And it wasn't until uh, recently that I explained, hey, the reason why I didn't like that was because it's a sensitive issue right now. It sounds like I'm being blamed for killing 3 million people. Um, so, right, right. you know, we, 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 um, we both, you know, understood each other and, you know, reconciled and became friends. Um, but, uh, but, um, yeah, um, I, I don't like to, I don't like to dwell on that, but, uh, yeah, it does happen. Um, yeah. yep. um and we, 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 we just, I think you did a wonderful thing. I, I think you actually educated her, right? Like, Hey, people are getting burned and attacked and punched in the face for no other reason than uh hatred and uh it's never okay to perpetuate something like that so i think you did a great thing man i mean i i think you probably helped her from a lot of heartache in the future really hmm. yeah so let's let's talk about um the fetish issue um because you know um most of the victims of the Atlanta shooting were, were women. So it's not just a race issue, but it's also a gender issue. Um, do you have any insight into the origins of uh, the fetish, the, the fetishizing Asian women? I know that a lot of it has to do with Vietnam, correct? Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, really where it started. Um, I believe the movie was called either platoon i think it was platoon i think uh, I, I forgot it was a vietnam war movie where uh basically the people there were or, or was it full metal jacket i told I, I don't remember but it basically there was a prostitute that uh, uh was uh basically hitting up these uh, uh these these army american uh vets and just saying like Oh, what uh, what can I get for ten dollars? And her response was everything that you want, right? So it was, uh, I think, at from that point on, uh, the American general population looked at Asian women as a bunch of prostitutes running around, mm. right? And that it's okay to take advantage of them because they don't speak English, and they won't report you to the authorities, right? And uh, uh, they're, they're inferior, uh, they're an inferior race. So they're nothing more than a sex toy, right? Yeah, and, and I imagine a lot of it was also perpetuated by um, uh, soldiers being deployed to Asia and, and meeting uh, the women there and uh, finding them exotically beautiful and also finding that culturally, um, the the white man uh, stereotypically is uh, bolder and uh, voices his opinion more and takes more leadership, uh, whereas stereotypically the Asian woman uh, is more willing to uh, yield to a man's relation to a man's leadership and not um, and uh, not be so uh, um, uh, contrarian or argumentative. So um, there's potential for chemistry there. Um, and uh, so I think a lot of the experiences of, of American soldiers has contributed to a lot of uh, the, the Asian fetish stereotype. Yeah, you, you're going to find a lot of uh, Asian women to be a little bit more timid and 
not stand like not so into the whole feminist movement as much as any other uh, uh, race of women in in the U.S. Yeah, and which so which a lot of which a lot of American men to this day uh, uh, still say uh, that that's what they appreciate about uh, Asian women is the fact that they they are in general less feminist and more willing to respond to a man's leadership. Right, and so I guess that it would be very attractive for a, a a white male but that it's not an excuse by any means yeah right right i think the fetishizing um is a, a kind of a separate issue it's more towards uh women that were not born in the united states but have emigrated over here and have not uh, spoken, uh, English is not their first language, the American culture is their second culture, uh, is not familiar with the legal system, right? It's like more of a taking advantage of women than it is about uh, wanting to get married. Mm. So basically it's uh, seeing uh, immigrants basically who are unfamiliar and clueless as easy targets to be taken advantage of. Well, you watch these movies and there are a bunch of prostitutes and whores. And so, uh, well, uh, he, he, you didn't go to Vietnam, so they come here. So now's your chance to do that to them, basically, right? Like get your fantasies out of the way. These, these, these movies that they watch while they're teenagers and horny as heck. And then all of a sudden it can become a reality over here, right? Yeah, it's pathetic. It's sick. And uh, I don't care. Uh... How much of a fetish or desire you have it i that's not a justification for for murder it's as simple as that it's dehumanizing and and i hate to repeat my point but uh, the the media and fbi and government is trying to portray this as a sexual addiction problem <laughs> and not a, a a racial issue i mean it's 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 uh it's it's systematic systematic racism that's going yeah. on here the people yeah. that are in power, people that are in control of the narrative are trying to twist and turn this so that it makes themselves look better. And it's actually the victim's fault. It's like victim blaming to, to the T. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's almost as if uh, this this whole sexual addiction narrative is, is um, diluting uh, the idea that, no, this is a flat out murder and it's wrong. Right, it's, it's a mass murder. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, I, I just, it seems in general um, that there are millions in America that see Asians, those of Asian descent, as as foreigners. You know, um, no matter. You know, I, I must admit there are times when. Uh, I feel like a foreigner in my country. And, and I mentioned the stereotypes against me. Well, one thing, one thing about me is that uh, James is my nickname. Um, I didn't start using James until 18 uh, when I started college. Before that, I uh, went by my legal name, which is my Korean name. So when you have a foreign name uh, in American society, uh, not only do people start making fun of it and creating all these annoying rhymes about it, um, when people start making fun of your name, which is part of your identity and basically an extension of your body, well, then you start thinking, well, 
there must be something strange about me. Um, and when you uh, eat Korean food and speak Korean language and watch Korean TV and go to a Korean church and um, um, you know, shop at the Korean market uh, growing up, uh, you start feeling like you're a foreigner in your own country, even though uh, you speak English without an accent and attend school in America and listen to American radio and watch American TV. Um, are there times that uh, you felt like a foreigner in, in, in your country? Because it seemed the broader issue is that I feel like I feel like Americans in general still see Asians as foreign, um, perhaps more so than they see Blacks as foreign or um, Hispanics as foreign. Yeah, you know what, James, I there were uh, acute times when I did feel that way. Uh, that others try to make me feel that way. But there was this innate thing in me that just would not allow that to take over. And I would speak up and fight about it, right? It was very non-Asian of me to do that, right? Like, uh, keep your head down, uh, model minority, ignore what they have to say, and just move on with your life, right? I, uh, I remember in particular, okay, I was a, a small kid. I was about six years old. Uh, my father had took me to Disneyland and, and uh, we went to go order some coffee. My dad wanted some coffee. So he went to go order coffee. And, and he, he's been living in the United States for, for many years. He was educated in the United States. He speaks perfect English. Okay. But the, the, the teenager that was working the, the coffee stand um, wanted to basically, in my point of view, uh, from uh, just being a short kid looking up at, at, at the situation, uh, he, he was making fun of the way my father was speaking, okay? He was, my dad, can I have some uh, coffee? He goes, okay, yes, and can I have some sugar? And the guy kept on saying, what? What, what do you want? And my dad's like, sugar, can I have some sugar? He goes, what? What, do you, what is it? Okay, even if, let's say my dad had horrible English, okay? It's quite normal to know that sugar goes with coffee. Mm -hmm. Okay, and and so therefore I conclude in my mind that this guy was just being an ignorant, uh, uh, rude asshole. Basically, excuse my language. So I remember yelling, uh, being the, the the small little kid yelling up at the guy and being really angry about him, saying, "He said sugar as loud as I could, right, just to embarrass him in front of everyone around that 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 was listening to this conversation." Mm, how old were you at this time? I was six. Wow, you had the wherewithal to defend your dad. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. And I, I remember my dad being very proud of me because he would tell that story to, to, to other family members and, and whatnot. So that's, so I guess, like, of course it happens, right? Like people make fun of you, people try to put you down. Just like if they can't use uh, uh, race, they'll use the way you look, the way, clothes you wear, whatever it is, right? Like the, not being cool, whatever it was. But for me, there's just this inside of me is like, go ahead, make fun of me. We'll see who's who's going to be sorry. Either I'm going to shame you, or 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 you're going to get a, a a knuckle sandwich, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so then, then I started protecting the other Asian kids <laughs> at the school, <laughs> right? And uh, so I was kind of, uh, I wasn't popular. Uh, that's the furthest word I would use to describe myself. But I, 
people would not mess with me. Let's put it that way. And if they did, like, you know, their face was in the locker, like, very quickly or something's going to happen to them. Very harmful, right? Mm. <laughs> of course, I would get suspended and all that stuff. But uh, what was cool was my parents never, ever uh, uh, disciplined me uh, uh, because I got into a fight because some kid was being racist, right? Wow, and, that's and, that's yeah. very different. Yeah, they 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 definitely had my back. Uh, I remember my father uh, when I was in the principal's office, and, and the principal was like, "Oh, you 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 got to uh, discipline your son and this and that." He goes, "Give me give me the phone. Let me talk to my son." So I told him what happened. He goes, "Let me talk to your principal." So uh, it was on speakerphone, and he was just yelling. And he goes, "How come my son's the one getting in trouble?" How come the other kid, the one that made the racial comments, is not the one getting in trouble? Well, he's the one that touched him. Well, well, if he was being racist and ignorant, then he deserves to get punched in the face. Your dad right? said and that. It, yes, and that was it. So it wow. wasn't. Yeah, it, 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 my 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 father and my mother, uh, they're they're very small people. My dad's five three. My mom's four eleven. Right, and but they just didn't put up with crap either, right? Like they, they basically fled their country, jumped on a boat, uh, not knowing where they're going, right? Um, to, to over here so that their family can have a better future. And, the, and that was not gonna be taken away by some ignorant people who didn't know how to raise their kids, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's really different, uh, your parents' approach, because I know um, I was afraid to uh, fully defend myself because if I were to get suspended, my parents would just get me in trouble for being suspended. At least I feared that would happen. So that was that's that's very empowering um, that your parents were had your back uh, and and um, uh, allowed you to uh, uh, defend yourself. Um, maybe and I taught and I pass it on to my kid, my son, yeah. Ethan. Yeah, let's talk right. about like, some. Let's talk about some of these these lifestyle changes. Um, you know. Um, I know uh, you've mentioned that um, that uh, I know it seems like for decades uh, the strategy for Asians to survive in America was basically to to ally with whites um, to do well in mostly white schools, uh, get into mostly white colleges, uh, get employed by mostly white employers, and basically. Um, assimilate to to a mostly white culture and kind of ride their coattails and hope to uh, climb the ladder um, of a mostly white society uh, and uh, gain economic uh, success and stability that way. Um, and uh, I sense uh, that perhaps it's time for a new strategy, isn't it? Um, do, you, do you have some insight into that? Uh, I know you've oh, talked definitely. about, I, I know you've talked about being more willing to defend ourselves um, can, can, can we talk about some of the, the, uh, the lifestyle changes that uh, maybe and new strategy that uh, Asians uh, should have going forward? Yeah, I, I think our parents were, uh, they were very successful with phase one of the Asian American uh, uh, culture, okay? First generation culture, it, it, it's gotta be phased in, okay? And I, I think it was a long-term survival strategy that they put into place. And phase one entailed us to, yes, put our heads down, uh, ride the coattails, climb the corporate ladders, make a name, get educated, especially, 
right? And to uh, not cause too much trouble so that we can survive as a tribe within the United States. And I think that worked uh, very successfully. And I, and I think my parents and, the, the, and, and, and my friends' parents and the, the Asian American generation above us uh, that went before us, because it worked. And, and the, re the reason why I say it worked is because uh, Asian males have been the top earners in the United States, uh, according to IRS tax records for uh, several years, close to a decade now. And uh, just this past year, uh, or two years ago, I'm sorry, 2019, Asian American women surpassed white males in uh, income uh, earning as well. So Asian American men and women uh, occupy uh, the first and second tier of, 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 uh, of the highest income earners now. So, so successful, great strategy, but now it's time for phase two, okay? And phase two starts with our generation and, and what, what are we gonna pass on to our children, right? What are we gonna so, pass on to our children? Well, uh, I'm definitely uh, gonna be passing on to my children about how great being an Asian American and all the struggles that we went through to get to where we are. They are not gonna forget uh, how our families came here with nothing, uh, survived uh, starvation, uh, literally had no shoes walking to this country, uh, not knowing the language and uh, uh, building up a community that is so vibrant and so successful in such a short amount of time. Uh, they're gonna learn all that and they're gonna learn the values of why we got there, okay? How we got there. But then we're gonna add another element to it, okay? And that element is something that we need to learn uh, from and passed down to our children from other ethnic groups. Okay, I find it so wonderful that um, in the black community that uh, a man like George Floyd, okay, probably not the best citizen in, in, in the world, but he got murdered by a, a, a policeman, okay? And guess what? They did not be quiet. They were not quiet about it, okay? They went out and they shouted from the hilltops that this man was unjustly murdered and it was because of his skin color that did it. Yeah, And so it's time to be louder. It's time to be uh, loud and proud, right? To borrow uh, uh, that campaign slogan. Uh, it's time for us to have leaders in the group. We have economic success, so we should use that wealth towards building our community in the political and social arenas, right? We conquered economics already, that's finished. Okay, and we're yeah. gonna hold on to that spot. Now and we sense, gotta- And I sense that yeah. culturally, that's that's not in our comfort zone, is it? Because culturally, you know, we're taught uh, not to rock the boat because in, in, in Asian countries, in these systems that we have immigrated from, you rock the boat too much and you risk being a political prisoner. <laughs> you rock the boat too much and you risk being an outcast. You know the emphasis in these in these Asian countries is to, you know, go with the flow, to to read the room, to read the atmosphere, you know, to kind of read into what people are saying. Um, you know, in Korean we call it eye measure, um, to read into what people are saying and the atmosphere of the social setting to 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 try to get like the deeper meaning to and and make sure, you know, to do things that don't rock the boat too much. Because if you rock the boat too much, well, then you inconvenience 
people and inconveniencing people is one of the worst things you could do in Asia, but that doesn't quite yeah, work yeah. In, in the US where, hey, if you don't voice your opinion, um, you uh, then you don't get what you want because people don't uh, hear it from you uh, and they're not going to know how to uh, read into uh, your facial expression. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the thing that we need to forget, okay, the, the one thing in the Asian culture that we need to get rid of and eradicate is this whole saving face thing, okay? You calling it rock the boat, I call it saving face. So if you if something happens to you, you're supposed to be quiet about it because if you're loud about it and you play in, in, in you, you tell everyone that you're a victim, then you're not saving face and you're, you're, you're shaming yourself in public, right? That's really mm. what it's saying. It's, it's really a term to say, shut up, okay? Mm. And that's one thing that I'm not gonna teach my kids. Okay, the, that is done with. Okay, we, we, we survived, we got here, we got through phase one, like I said earlier. Um, we're, we're, we're at this point now where we need to uh, basically band together and create a, a, a voice, a social and political voice. We also need to be seen uh, uh, as uh, investing back into the general population's uh, community, right? Instead of just our own. Like it, it, everyone seems to think that uh, we take our money and reinvest it back into Chinatowns and stuff, right? Um, they feel that we're uh, or that we are, or that we're here to uh, take the money that uh, we earned abroad and just uh, invest it into property, and uh, it's not really going into uh, the society. Right, right. Like we're not giving back to the general population. We're we're employing only other Asians, right? Uh, just, just stuff like that, and and I, 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 to some degree, I agree with that analysis, right? And I think it's time to change that, right? We're 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 the kings of uh, of the mountain now. There's no need to be afraid anymore. We don't need to save face if we, uh, 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 we don't need to go paycheck, uh, uh, paycheck to paycheck to save face, right? <laughs> anymore. Yeah, yeah. We're not in that weak position anymore. And I think I think saving face and uh, not being vocal enough is the source of what Daniel Day Kim, the actor in Lost, has said to the Senate. Um, you know, because we are so silent uh, that the system, if you want to talk about the system again, uh, does not um, talk about Asian issues, and the news does not talk about Asian, the Asian vote and the social issues that we face, and uh, pie, so many pie charts they. They have pies for whites, blacks, and Hispanics, um, but not for Asians. Um, and so, you know, this this is the reason why uh, we've been invisible so long. And because we are invisible, we're literally not mattering. Yeah. Well, if we're, this is how I see it, right? If you're not on paper or on being published, right, um, in the news, uh, videos, YouTube, uh, history books. Uh, basically you don't matter right mm -hmm. so we need to reverse that we need to like what we're doing we're we're being published we're trying to do our podcast getting our voice out there so that we can uh so that we matter so that our community matters right it's not just about putting dollars in your bank account anymore right yeah. like we, we we gotta exercise our freedom our political will we, we cannot live as a traumatized people who have been politically persecuted uh, forever, basically. Yeah.
And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of the source of our silence is because uh, many uh, immigrants, many Asian Americans, many Asian immigrants um, have have trouble with uh, learning English. The, the language barrier is immense for them. Um, so I, I think we need to uh, really triple our effort uh, to make sure that um, uh, immigrants from Asia are, are learning English skills uh, because without that, um, then they are relegated to living a, a bubble existence where they only go to the Asian market and the Asian church and watch Asian TV and read Asian newspapers. Uh, so this bubble is kind of perpetuated to our generation because we are their children, but now perhaps people of our generation need to expand out of the bubble. And I know that's been, um, I've spent considerable effort trying to get out of the bubble uh, in my 30s. Uh, you know, I have lived in Kansas and in New Mexico and uh, gone to um, multi-ethnic churches and have uh, participated in activities uh, that um, perhaps uh, there aren't so many Asians in, you know, such as, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, joined running groups that don't have that many Asians. I've joined, um, um, you know, I play hockey on the weekends, you know, which is uh, a sport that is not um, not yet popular with, with Asians. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, it's gotten to the point where, uh, yeah, you know, I, I've uh, learned so much from being outside the bubble that um, it's a little uncomfortable for me to go back. Um, is it time? Is it time for for uh, are are we living too insular? Is it time uh, for Asians to expand out of the bubble a little more? Or are we too insular? Yeah, you know what, James. Um, this might surprise you, but I, I'm fluent in Vietnamese. My wife is fluent in Cantonese and Mandarin, and yet we decided that we were not going to, we were not going to teach our children, um, any of those languages. Okay. Um, they're not going to be able to fall back to that, uh, default. They're, they're, they're going to be forced to join the, the general population, uh, no matter what. Okay. And I, 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 I this was a purposeful thing. We're not trying to, uh, we're not ashamed of what we're doing, but we realize that we live in America and that our children um, need to be given the tools to be successful in America. Okay. So yes, I, I, I do believe that our culture tends to be very insular. I mean, well, it, it's hard um, when people look at us and we're born in America 40 some years old and they look at us as if we don't speak English. And it's probably because we're holding a pair of chopsticks while we're eating our food. So all of a sudden we're just a foreigner. And that's not how uh, I want, I don't want my children to go through that, right? So I'm, I'm trying to position them in a way that uh, is basically gonna force them to be part of America. And that's it, we, I gotta, we gotta basically evolve from our yeah. old ways. In, you know, one thing, this. one thing I want to add in terms of, you know, what parents can teach is that I think the traditional Asian culture doesn't um, uh, value uh, cultivating self-esteem as much as uh, right. white culture does. I think uh, self-esteem in Asia is kind of seen as self-centered and arrogant. 
uh, uh, in Asia, it seems modesty is more the virtue. Um, but um, um, I think uh, I think uh, Western culture, you know, it really values confidence, and I think we need to do more to cultivate confidence in our children. And I think uh, uh, that's why uh, we should uh, sign up our children for you know the various activities and opportunities that that come to them as children. You know, I think I think that's why um, <clears throat> you know children sign up for for sports and the band and um, summer camps and you know, activities like that because um, you know not because I know in um, I know in Asia the mentality is you know those things are useless if you're not going to go for the pros but the idea is not so much that you're going to go for the pros the idea is that um, those things uh, help develop confidence and poise and teach them valuable lessons on how to work together how to work under pressure, how to remain confident, and uh, uh, and and stuff like that. Asians, uh, <laughs> if you talk to other Asian American first generation uh, people, uh, citizens, uh, we all have this whole thing of our parents kind of forcing us to be a certain type of uh, professional, like a doctor, lawyer, engineer, whatever. Um, but uh, when you talk to in a, a general population American kid, it's usually not that. It's like, oh, just do whatever makes you happy, right? And and I, and I find that very, um, I'm very jealous of that. Yeah. Well, I, I like to strike I, a balance because I don't think uh, I don't think uh, yes, we should we should. It's good to teach kids to follow their heart, but I think we should also give them a map because. Uh, Yes, yeah, some paths are going to be much more difficult than others. So I do think we need to advise them as to what lies ahead. <laughs> right, right. Well, so, so, so when it comes to the issue of confidence, right? Like, I'm not going to teach my kids confidence in that they're just, they suck at what they do, but yet they go around saying I'm the best, right? Like, I, I want them to be good at what they do. And when they are good at what they do, then they have a right to say that they're good at something versus, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's funny. It's like you, you, people think that they're very good at things. And then when you're not even focused on that and you could beat them in it, but right? <laughs> then it's, it's, it's kind of a joke. Right. And then this, basically this kid will have some false confidence because he's going to fall flat on his face one day. Right. So I'm not going to overdo that, but there, there is something to say that the uh, American kids do grow up pretty much happier and more satisfied with themselves. And yes, I think I've that's noticed, something to definitely learn. I've, I've noticed that uh, as, as a tutor, as an SAT tutor, um, I've, I've noticed that, uh, you know, the Asian kids who are forced to be there, uh, there's a marked difference in uh, their social skills compared to white students. Uh, white students, White high school students, I could talk to them very fluently, have a very fluent conversation. They know how to uh, respond and react and uh, have a full conversation back with me. But, but whereas Asian kids, you know, I ask them, hey, what, hey, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. What did you do last weekend? Uh, nothing. Well, why do you want to be here uh, to go to a good school? What school do you want to go to? Uh, school that accepts and it's like this is this is not a uh, fluent conversation and I just think that unfortunately so many uh, Asian children are, are taught you know just to uh, uh, 
just to uh, do well in school and everything else will fall into place. And they're unfortunately missing out on a lot of uh, lessons that uh, that uh, come along the way. Um, I, you know, we love our parents. They did the very best for us, but you know, they um, with what they knew, but they did not. Um, uh, they did not know. Um, uh, have a full picture of what it takes to flourish uh, in the American society and culture, but we but we do, and I think it behooves us to uh, um, know uh, what to do differently uh, for the next generation. Speaking of um, speaking of integrating and the need to be less insular, uh, I'm going to share my tip for how to do that and how to. Um, uh, interact and flourish better in the American society. Uh, it's disarmingly simple. It's to act American. Um, if the, the more you go out there uh, loving others and um, uh, wanting to learn from others and uh, being curious about others, then others will love you and be curious about you and want to learn from you. Uh, the, the more you go out there um, being suspicious of others and being scared of others, well, guess what? The more others will be scared of you and be suspicious of you. And uh, this is something that I have uh, cultivated for myself uh, in my 30s, uh, having lived in Kansas and New Mexico, having driven cross country twice, uh, going far off the interstate. Um, this is my strategy for uh, surviving as uh, a 5% minority uh, in the United States, and uh, it's done a lot of good for me. Um, I know, John, you have uh, traveled uh, across the United States. You've driven across the country, too. You've lived in Kentucky. Um, uh, are you scared to uh, travel off the beaten track and, and uh, to, to places where there are few Asians? What, are your, what is your strategy to um, interact and flourish uh, as the only Asian uh, in a hundred mile radius, if you have to. Well, I, I've never been uh, shy about uh, meeting uh, non-Asians. In fact, I feel like I thrive more there. Uh, I feel like my jokes are better understood there. Um, I believe that uh, people are able to communicate with me better than even uh, Chinese, Vietnamese, Americans that I, that I know. Like, I feel like sometimes I'm not on the same wavelength. Um, so it, it, for me, I, I, it's just actually where I feel uh, more comfortable, actually. Like, I, I, I love it when I'm able to speak perfect English and I don't have to dumb down um, my, my English skills. That I feel free that I can make uh, yeah. frat type jokes <laughs> and, and yeah. people laugh at them um, Ironic versus... yeah ironically it's it's sometimes a little easier to be the only asian in a hundred mile radius because then you're not confined by the by the rules and the norms right. of the, the asian culture you're kind of free to be yourself I, I i often find that i i feel more free you know when uh when i'm not in the asian community it's sad to say that but uh, it's true sometimes no, it's absolutely true, and it's and like there's a like an inner voice inside me as well that is it, it, not that it it, it it wants it it wants to express itself completely as an American. Uh, for example, when I was in France, 
people knew I was from America and they treated me completely as an American. Uh, this is including uh, uh, European, African, uh, Latin American, and Europeans. Uh, they would they would think of me as an American, and I felt proud to represent America, uh, the country that has given me everything, versus uh, Vietnam, which I didn't know hardly anything about at the time. I, I, at that time, I haven't even visited Vietnam yet, right? And I didn't know its history. I didn't know anything about it. Uh, and I felt very comfortable, and I loved the fact that people looked at, uh, at me as an American and not as a, a Chinese guy or a Vietnamese guy, Asian dude, right? So it was very freeing. So I agree with you there. Yeah, let's talk about um, let's talk more about the need to get involved in politics. You know, that's that's the next uh, stage, as as we've mentioned. Um, do you have any insider? Uh, advice um, uh, as to how we can do a better job of uh, getting involved in politics. I know, I mean, I imagine we need to study the right fields and know the right people. Um, uh, I know you have talked previously about how Christian America can exist as its own uh, block, as like a power broker that, hey, hey, Democrats and GOP, if you want to, if you, if you, if you want this issue to succeed, then, uh, you know, ally with us. Uh, do you, do you see uh, Asian Americans uh, being a, their own block uh, as, a, as a power, playing a power broker role like that? Well, absolutely. Um, everyone wants, uh, every political party out there wants money. They want donations, right? So, well, we, like I said earlier, we occupy the two highest trophic levels in that area. So now we matter. So that goes beyond, uh, that goes beyond our demographic number, our 5% our population. Right, we can ally ourselves with others, and and we're we're astute business people. Perhaps right? we need and to donate our way in the same way uh, people of other ethnicities donate their way into other causes and start getting involved in them. Absolutely, I did a short stint on uh, in Washington D.C. Uh, uh, as a legal intern, and uh, I made connections there that I know that I'm going to turn around again one day and utilize uh, after I've kind of finished my economic goals in life, right? And financial goals in life. And I'm gonna turn my attention there. And that's where I actually want to end up being. It, and it could be, it doesn't even have to be on the federal level. It could be just very local city, county, state level uh, before I even go federal. But I do feel that, uh, every, almost every Asian American, I believe resonates with this message is we need to start politicking, right? I, I feel that every Asian American wants to say that and wants to do it, but we're just kind of clueless when it comes to that. Well, um, luckily if I had a little bit of exposure to that and I could help uh, do that, I, I wanna create a, a, uh, an Asian American awareness uh, group right, uh, for social cultural issues um, that transitions uh, into a voice for Asian Americans, uh, okay, and that eventually gets involved in politics and shakes hands with all the uh, players out there and to be become that voice uh, that I believe that the Asian Americans are looking for right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and do, do you find that, um, um, 
you know, you mentioned that Asians uh, on average are, are a high earning uh, ethnic group. Do you find that that status kind of masks uh, some of the problems that uh, poor Asians are facing? Well, uh, it absolutely does, right? Because it just, uh, that's just one other thing for the government or uh, people that matter to shove under the rug, right? It's like, oh, look, look how great they're doing. We don't need to pay attention to them. Well, that, that's where the voice comes out. That's the whole point of joint politics is so that people have turned their heads to these issues, right? So that we're, uh, people can know what we're going through. We could help our own community as well so that there's causes that are, are out there. I mean, I don't even know if there's any Asian American scholarships out there for children that are uh, come from uh, less uh, privileged families, backgrounds. I, uh, why don't we start one of those? Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, Asian Americans that are dealing with drug issues, uh, psychological issues, homelessness, right? But yeah, people see like the top tier Asians and they say, oh, well, you know, they're, they're doing fine. We don't have to uh, worry about them. Let's, let's, let's worry about other people or other groups out there that need our help more, let's say. So no, it's about awareness. And that's one of the things that uh, I would like to uh, spearhead one day. Yeah, yeah, it seems a common theme here is, uh, you know, we got the money and uh, it's one thing to uh, use our money all for the benefit of ourselves, but uh, it's the next step to use our money and to use it for something broader than ourselves. That's, that's right. We, we, like I said, kudos to our parents got us through phase one. Now, phase two is us being parents and what are we going to pass on to our children? Uh, last but not least, um, uh, should we exercise the Second Amendment more as Asian Americans? Is, is, is it time for that? We have to. Even if it's a symbolic gesture, we have to do it. Okay. What does this mean? This doesn't mean like everyone go out and get assault weapons and start shooting each other. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. But we have to understand and respect the power of a gun. Okay, that's a lot of power. I mean, it's the power of life and death over somebody. I mean, that's, that's a lot of power. And for that, for us to not know what that is, <clears throat> but everyone else does, that's a problem, right? I, I, in this Atlanta shooting, these facilities should have uh, applied for uh, uh, weapons license so that they could have them on premises or hire security guards with weapons, whatever it is it could have been averted. Now, maybe it wasn't profitable enough for them to have these things, but I, I, I think, uh, and, and <clears throat> I think life is much more important than the profit in it, but it doesn't cost much to go out and buy a gun and, and, and leave it on the premises. So when you get shot at, you could whip out a gun. And what good is it to wave your hands and to do martial arts against the guy that's shooting a gun at you, shooting a bullet at you, right? right. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, this is another area that as a result of being in a bubble that uh, we lack uh, awareness of. Um, but uh, yes, that right is available to us too as Americans. And, um, you know, you don't need you don't need a permit to carry a weapon inside your own property. Um, I know my uncle uh, in Maryland uh, used to own a Korean restaurant and yeah, he concealed carried 
uh, for this very reason. Uh, I know it's it's uh, it sounds rough around the edges, um, but you know if 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 people on the street know that uh, uh, business owners are armed, um, it's going to be a major deterrent to uh, victimizing uh, those businesses. John, um, I know uh, this this has been a really like um, challenging discussion and uh, you know um, we're we're still trying to figure this out ourselves I know that's why we have a lot of ums and uhs as we're talking about this it's uh, it's an emotional uh, discussion that uh, we have to bring back past memories um, and uh, and process them over again um, it's been a can of worms um, but uh, we need to think about these issues um, uh, for for our future uh, for our children um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks, James. I always appreciate when you have me on. So uh, hopefully we could, when it dust kind of settles in a couple of months, we could go back to this and listen to ourselves and see if we made the right decisions, right choices, or have the right discussion. So thank you again. All right. Thanks a lot.